When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And as we get ready for this week's game against West Virginia, JT is here with us. JT, how are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Excited to get uh, this game against West Virginia and try to get monkey off our back here. Yeah, for sure. It's weird. Yeah, you know, K-State had that nice run, but then West Virginia has now won five in a row. So we brought in Joel Bracken. He's the, can I call you the stats guy at, at the Smoking Musket? It's kind of your role over there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Joel, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's a good time of year. Football is is in its stride. We're starting out college basketball, so lots of good things going on. And yeah, excited for this game this weekend. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it looks like it, it's going to be an interesting game. And for West Virginia, you know, it's getting kind of down to the wire for them. They've got to win two of their last three. You know, they do have, I think, winnable games against Texas and Kansas after this. But, you know, how much does this feel like almost a must win to reach the bowl game you guys right now? Yeah, I mean, it's totally what's on the mind right now. You know, you have Kansas as the last game of the season, and, you know, you never count it till it's done, but that's almost a sure thing. So, you know, you get Texas and Kansas State, you need one of the two to get to a bowl. You know, this one's going to be a tough one in Manhattan. We have Texas at home next week. But, yeah, if you lose this one, a lot of pressure next week. Texas is also, you know, right there, four and five. I think they're going to be fighting for their bowl lives. So, yeah, it's it's not necessarily a must win. But, I mean, obviously, all the pressure comes on if you don't win this one. And it seems like West Virginia, almost more than any other team in the league, has been kind of hard to read this year. So, you know, they, they went and beat Iowa State. They almost beat Oklahoma. Got a pretty solid win at TCU. But then, you know, they lost at a pretty bad Maryland team, lost at home to Tech, and then 
looked pretty bad last week against Oklahoma State at home. So I guess just, you know, who is West Virginia? And how, you know, how do you tie those teams t- together, those different results? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question because it definitely feels like a, you know, the ceiling can be high. It definitely felt pretty high after that Iowa State game, you know, a game not a lot of people thought we could come in and win. But then, yeah, the floor also feels pretty low. I mean, not a great performance to a Maryland team that, you know, just doesn't look that great this year. We squeaked by VT, which, you know, they're not looking like world beaters this year. And then, yeah, like totally laid an egg against Baylor, really got beat in all aspects last week. So, you know, it is hard to sort of assess. Some days, you know, you're like, Jared Deggie is the guy, the defense is awesome. And then other days you're like, man, like what, what is there to, what is the positive from this week? So, you know, it is tough to assess. It is a little bit of randomness. Like you, you just don't know what you're getting week to week. And uh, that variance makes it, it just so hard to be like, you know what, we're better than this team or, or we have this one, we're going to lose this one. You just don't know. So, yeah. you know, I think that's especially exciting for this week because I think K-State and WVU, you know, it, it's a game where I could definitely see West Virginia coming out and, and playing well and winning this one. And I could also see us, you know, getting run off the field. So, yeah, I don't think anyone knows what the true identity of this team is. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, statistically speaking, is there anything that's been consistent? Is there any case of matchups have been caused problems or, you know? Yeah. You know, I I would say the the biggest matchup or maybe the best indicator of the way the game is going to go is, you know, how well the offensive line is going to play in the, you know, both in in the the pass protection and both in the running game. I mean, there's games we've run the ball like tremendously, you know, had multiple backs going, having like huge chunk yards versus Iowa State, you know, they love to just rush three and not bring a lot of pressure. If you give Deggy time, he's played, you know, great. But when the offensive line can't protect, you know, when people are blitzing, that's where everything falls apart. And I have a good number for that. So, you know, PFF has different ratings and you can kind of break them down into different scenarios. So when Deggy has a clean pocket, his grade is like an 83.6 and under pressure, he drops to a 39.6. So, I mean, that's the story right there. Deggie's pretty good quarterback when he's got a clean pocket, he can deliver and get things going. But I mean, just absolutely falls apart when teams are blitzing or, or getting pressure. Yeah. So let, let's talk about Jared Deggy a little bit. And I want to start with what's kind of an astounding stat. And Joel, I'm sure you already know this, but you know, he's leading the Big 12 in passing, but he's only throwing for 242 yards per game, which is crazy. You know, most of the time, it's going to take at least 300 yards per game to lead the Big 12. You've had some guys like Patrick Mahomes come to mind who have, you know, thrown for 400 yards a game. And so I was actually looking at this, and here's, here's a fun trivia question. Can you name the, the quarterback in the year at the last time the, the leading passer in the Big 12 averaged less than 242 yards per game? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, that has to be a long time ago. I was uh, just recently looking at sort of, you know, people say the Big 12 is all offense, no defense. And I was kind of looking at some point spreads to see if that's true or not. And man, like back in 2012, 2013, 14, like, you know, everyone was scoring in the Big 12. So I would have to say, I have no idea who, but I would guess maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, actually, the answer is Michael Bishop in 1998. You got to go all the way back. <laughs> That's kind of wild. But yeah, I mean, Jared Deggie, he's been around for a little while now, so he's kind of climbing the, the West Virginia charts a little bit. 
you know, what's the, the fan base's relationship with him at this point? <laughs> Depends on the week, really. You know, there's been some rough stretches. You know, I think the the interesting thing was Deggy has kind of been in both shoes. He's been the the favorite backup quarterback when we used to have Austin Kendall coming Oklahoma transfer. You know, everyone's chanting for Deggy. You know, the backup quarterback's always the most favorite player on the team. Deggy comes in, takes Kendall's role, really like outperforms him for the first few games he's in. And then, you know, we have another season and a half of Deggy and, you know, some fans are pretty tired of him. They're ready to see Garrett Green, who is our uh, backup quarterback, very mobile guy. He has just a completely different skill set. Not really sure, you know, what his throwing capabilities are, but there's some grumblings. And then you see him play TCU and Iowa State back to back. I mean, he has two of the best games he's had in college and he's played a lot of them. I think he's played like 44 and he still has another year of eligibility. So it's crazy because, you know, he's played, I looked it up recently. If you were to basically say he's going to pass for, you know, about the same amount of yards each game as he has this season, he can come back next year. And if he, you know, stays on track, he'd end his career like 18th in NCAA, like history in passing yards. He's played like six, six seasons. So, yeah, it's, you know, he he can make it work. I think the biggest gripe the, the fan base has is he's not very mobile. And when the pocket breaks down, I mean, I, I definitely think what is the, the Sam Darnold joke, the like seeing ghosts. I think last week <laughs> he got hit. I think he was hurried over half of his dropbacks. He got sacked like nine times. Like he was seeing ghosts and, you know, mm-hmm. people want to see someone who can break out of the pocket, extend a play. So. Yeah, I mean, that's where it's at. It really depends on the week and um, yeah. and really on the performance. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think, you know, K-State secondary could be in a little bit of trouble if Deggie has time to throw. It seems like, or it feels like Deggie's always had a really great games against K-State like mm-hmm. the last few years. Like, it, he's just, he's been that star QB that, you know, you want him to be when he's playing K-State, but it doesn't always, you know, it translate than the other games on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny how a lot of seem to be doing that the last couple of years. But, <laughs> you know, hopefully that, that has improved a little bit this season. We're seeing that, and hopefully they can continue that on Saturday. You know, one thing you notice about Deggie, it seems like he spreads it around pretty well. Is he at his best when he's finding a lot of different receivers? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, one benefit, he he really is good at the deep ball if he has time, if the plays have time to develop. I mean, last week, Oklahoma State defense, I mean, that's an awesome defense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I think he threw the ball more than 10 yards downfield twice the whole game. Like the play couldn't even develop that long. But, you know, you'll see a lot of screens, a lot of tunnel screens, bubble screens, you know, quick slants, kind of those quick passes. And I, I almost feel like the, you know, the the key there, the, sort of the target is to just get different guys touches, get different guys, you know, a chance to make a play. I think we have some explosive guys, receivers, even some tight ends who really can, you know, you just want to give them space, give them a chance to make somebody miss and, you know. I think a lot of our offense has been designed that way, especially in weeks where, you know, the pass protection just isn't there. Yeah, and it seems like that explosiveness maybe starts with Winston Wright. He's the, the kick returner as well as had one kick return for a touchdown this year and I think is among the, the conference leaders and as far as return yards. But 
you know, is he one of those guys that can, that can burn you deep if you're not careful? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Winston Wright, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James are all dudes who, you know, they can they can find some space. You know, last year we had such a terrible sort of trend of dropped balls. Like, you know, on the big play, we'd get the guy open, Deggie would make the pass, it'd be dropped. I mean, we were right up there at the top of the country in drops. And I feel like a lot of those receivers have sort of cleaned that up and even some big plays. But yeah, I mean, I think we do have a few playmakers, Winston Wright probably being the most explosive, but yeah, Bryce Ford Wheaton has had some breakout games as well. Yeah. And then, I mean, Letty Brown out of the backfield has been part of the passing game too. Does he mostly catch up passes short and in the flat, or will they send him deep as well? Um, I, I don't recollect any time Letty's going too deep. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think when there's times that the offensive line is dominating, you know, I know TCU didn't have a great defensive front. You know, we just wanted to give Letty the ball and, and get him up front running straight through the middle. But you know, on these other times, you got to get a little creative and uh, trying to get Letty touches, you know, on a little swing route or get him outside and get him some space to make somebody miss or run through somebody. So, yeah, Letty can be can be pretty dynamic. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's kind of interesting about this West Virginia offense is that I think they're ranked fairly highly as far as time of possession, which is maybe a little bit surprising for a team that throws the ball so much and isn't necessarily a, hasn't necessarily been a strong running team this year. So kind of, you know, what accounts for that? Are they a lot of short passes or are they taking their time offensively? Yeah, you know, I think, I, you know, I think one thing could be the lack of explosiveness and a lot of, you know, we don't have the 70 yard touchdown pass or the, you know, the, the 45 yard run up the middle as often as we might like. So, you know, a lot of our drives and it seems like we have a trend of scoring early in games. And it seems, you know, kind of come out with a good game plan. And then as they settle in, the offense sort of slows down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, a lot of scoring drives have been really like, you know, up into the teens amount of plays. But yeah, also plays that keep the clock running, short passes, runs. So yeah, that, that is an interesting stat, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get, you know, any other stats that, that tell us things about the West Virginia passing game that you have? So I do have sort of a points per opportunity. I just thought this was kind of interesting. So our defense actually does pretty well in sort of the the big time when, you know, the, the opponent has moved the ball inside the 40. The offense actually has done all right this year, 4.3 points per opportunity. So getting well over a field goal every time you get inside the 40. So that is definitely encouraging. I mean, I think points are at a premium with this offense sometimes. Like last week, it was we only made it inside the 40 three times and we walked away with three points. I mean, that's like, you're not going to win any game like that, obviously, but yeah. you got to be able to convert as you're moving in. But yeah, looking at the, the K-State pass rush, that's what worries me a little bit. I saw that they have a really high rated pass rush and, and that definitely could, could cause right. some concern right. this week. And so, I mean, that starts obviously at the D end with, with Felix and so how are West Virginia's tackles? How have they done this year? You know, it's it, like I said, it, it can be hot and cold. I think there's some games that, it, like Baylor, like, I mean, it was like non existent. The offense was not moving. And same with Oklahoma State. I mean, everyone was just getting beat on one on ones. We do have a very young line. So this is a, an interesting stat as well. In the Big 12, the, the two teams with the fewest amount of offensive line starts are Kansas State and West hmm. Virginia. So West Virginia has about 100 starts on the offensive line and Kansas State is 99. So, and that's yeah. ninth and 10th in the conference. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
Well, yeah, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. First, take a uh, real quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So, you know, I mean, this defense, it seems like, has been kind of a strength uh, for West Virginia at times. Just start with, you know, what do they do best? It seems like they, they are good at stopping opponents without necessarily forcing a lot of turnovers. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think this defense has a particular strong suit, you know, looking at a lot of stats and metrics, there's nothing that stands out in terms of, you know, the rush or the pass, anything overall. You know, I think we did have a a pretty big player, probably our most important player in all three levels leave over last year. So we lost Darius Stills on the line, Tony Fields in the linebackers and Tyke Smith. I think PFF maybe had him number one or number two in defensive backs last year. He transferred to Georgia. And actually, I think he tore his ACL. He he hasn't really played this year. So, yeah, I, I think it's maybe a, a bend, don't break sort of philosophy. I mean, we're not outstanding in a lot of things, but really the strength of the defense has been, I guess you would call the big plays, the third and fourth downs, and sort of when the opponent is inside the 40. That's really been the highlights. Yeah. And also, you know, as far as big plays, I think there was, I saw they ranked number two in the Big 12 and number 17 in the country in terms of tackles for losses. So, I mean, is that the front getting a solid push or do you have linebackers and defensive backs coming and making those plays? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I think the line does have some studs. You know, you have Dante Stills, Akeem Mesador, Taj Austin have all had some, you know, lots of pressures, lots of good tackles in the backfield. And I think a pretty strong linebacking core. I really wouldn't say this defense has too many like big stars. Like if you had to ask me who's the best player in the defense, maybe Dante Stills, maybe Josh Chandler, Sumido. But yeah, it is it's, it is kind of by committee. There's not really one guy who's carrying the load. Yeah, and Josh Chandler, Sumido is a linebacker who's leading the team with 81 tackles. But I know a lot of times that's just kind of positional. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how defense plays, tackles leaders doesn't always tell you the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, as far as turnovers, I mean, is that something that they talked about wanting to do more of? Because I know that the turnover margin is not very good for West Virginia this year. Yeah, it, it has been a struggle. I think the turnover margin is like maybe minus five for the team. You know, the offense oh, minus point five, right? Or minus five overall. Yeah, yeah I think like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. minus five overall. So right, right. yeah, you know, the defense hasn't at least early in the season, really was not like forcing any turnovers. You know, sometimes you, you know, kind of receive a turnover, you luck into a turnover, but nothing was really being forced. You know, I think we have had some big plays like in Iowa State, several big plays, TCU, big plays. So Charles Woods and TCU game had two huge turnovers. And I would say both of them were forced, like a, a you know, a interception that he went up and won a 50-50 ball and then, uh, you know, a punched out ball on a, a reception and, and falling on it. So, yeah, it has been, you know, sort of lacking in the turnover department, but that is something we definitely need to to pick up on, you know, especially with the offense 
sort of struggling. You need a spark sometimes. You need some good field position, something like that. And, you know, even last week, we got the one turnover starting the Dante Stills had an insane kind of back-to-back play. He had a huge tackle for loss. And the next play, he batted the ball at the line and laid out for the interception. So we start the drive on the 40 and then, you know, the offense immediately loses like 20 yards on a fumble. So, you know, I think the offense does need the defense to step up, sort of have some takeaways and really, you know, provide some momentum. Last year, one of the big things, I mean, I think that was Will Howard's third start. It was fairly early. It was the, the first game of the, the big losing streak for Kansas State. And the West Virginia did a really nice job of shutting down Deuce Vaughn. You know, you think that's something that, that they're going to be focused on again? I think so. I mean, Deuce Vaughn is so dynamic. I mean, he, you know, he's a great runner, but it seems like they get him involved in the passing game a lot too. So, I mean, I think that's somebody you got to have, you know, eyes on where's this guy on every snap? Because, I mean, it seems like Kansas State's trying to get him the ball, get him a lot of touches in the game. So, yeah, I think that's got to be somebody you got to key in on and, and really keep your eyes on. Right. Has the West Virginia defense faced a threat quite like Deuce Vaughn this year with the current alignment? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think, you know, TCU, um, and I can't, the, the running back's name is escaping me. You know, he's a dynamic guy, but really we had a great day against him. But no, I, I don't think anybody really quite like Deuce Vaughn. You know, you also could say Bryce Hall at Iowa State is dynamic, but I think Deuce Vaughn, you know, him being involved so much in the passing game, I think that's a, a different layer. Yeah, that's uh, Zach Evans at TCU. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, the special teams. It seems like these are actually two of the best teams in the conference on, on kick returns. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, the field position game, always important. How has West Virginia's special teams been overall this year? It's been interesting. I mean, I think something has... So TCU, the, the opening kickoff, TCU returned it for a touchdown. And since then, you know, we've really sort of changed our kickoff strategy a lot. It seems like we'll kind of get burned on one kickoff, you know, for a a good, decent return. We started doing more of like the pooch squib kick, you know, kind of where the strategy is just kick it high, but to about the 20 yard line. Maybe the returner is not the guy who's going to get the ball or maybe it's like an unreturnable as the, you know, the coverage gets downfield a lot. So I think we've played a little more conservative in the last two or three weeks. I hope it's not too much of a trend because we really have like gotten dominated in the field position game when it comes to that. So I, I hope that, you know, we're, we're going to be kicking it deep again and, and somebody can get it out of the back of the end zone. Well, some of it, I think it'll depend on, uh, on which way the wind is blowing in Manhattan. On, uh, <laughs> it's that time of year where the wind really starts picking up around here. And so it could be howling out of the North and, so if you're kicking, you know, towards the south end zone, then it's it'll hit the stands. And if you're kicking towards the north, it's going to end up at the 30-yard line. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, K-State got some kind of surprising and unfortunate news this week when Tate Winkle, who's been dealing with an injury, decided to end his football career. So hate to hear that for the, for the kid. But, JT, you know, I mean – Chris Tennant was was already kind of competing for the job. How much confidence do you think the coaches have in him in the kicking game? Well, he was number one kicking recruit in the country coming out of high school this last year. So, like, pretty confident. And basically, Winkle was already, you know, on the verge of losing that job, you know, (laughs) injury aside anyways, which I think, you know, played a lot into his decision to go ahead and, 
to say, no, I'm going to be done. And which, you know, and, you know, if he wants to focus on his academics, that's, you know, it's hard to fault a kid for wanting to do good in school. So, but yeah, Tenet's a big kid. He's basically the opposite of Blake Lynch, who was, you know, five foot nothing and, you know, 100 pounds soaking wet. Whereas <laughs> Tenet actually, you know, he looks like a football player. You know, he's a big kid. He's like six four, big old leg. I don't think he's going to take kickoff duties anytime soon, at least not well. Ty Zetner's booming him out of the back of the end zone. But, but yeah, I, I think they're very confident in his ability to kick field goals. Even that, you know, the, the chip shot miss against Kansas, that's, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll get right back and we'll have, you know, three and a half really good years of a kicker here. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I got to mention the West Virginia kicker as well. Casey Legg. He is a West Virginia guy. He's, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I mean, the best kicker name you could possibly have, right? <laughs> And Casey is. Yeah, I, th- I think that's even better than, than when it was Texas Tech had too good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Casey's having a great year. I think he's missed one kick all year and it was blocked. So if it's getting past the line of scrimmage, I think everyone's gone in. He's like 14 of 15 or something like that. So he's having an awesome year. I think he's on like the grows a watch list. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I think Texas Tech, uh, we got, or sorry, not Texas Tech. I was thinking about um, all the coaches that were brought in. So at the same time, Matt Wells, Texas Tech is out. You know, Neil Brown, I think, came up in some conversations about who would replace Snyder early on. West Virginia ended up getting, you know, how secure is his job right now? How are fans feeling about him? Yeah, so sort of the moniker West Virginia has been trust the climb the last three years. So <laughs> also the overused term, leaving the cupboard bare. Dana Holgerson, when he left, you know, there was not a lot of pieces left after the Will Greer year. So, you know, it's been a steady climb this year, definitely some turbulence. I think the way this year ends and sort of, you know, the mood around it will be important. You know, if you can find a way to get to a bowl and win it, maybe finish seven and six, you know, something like that, eight and five, you know, then there's a lot of optimism. You'd close out the season great. But man, when we were sitting at two and four this year, you know, after first year second year to building up and then to take a step down third year sitting at two and four at the bye week break you know that was a little cause for concern you know brown's not going anywhere he's got a huge buyout yeah so you know i think it takes time my opinion some people are ready to pull him but you know i think the question would be for who or or what's next (laughs) right right of all the coaching hires like like climate and brown were probably the two best fits for the schools that they were going to at the time and both felt like they'd have success at those schools. And I think even at this point of the year, I think West Virginia can get to six wins. Now I, I hope one of those doesn't come against K-State. I think you got a great chance against Texas and Morgantown and of course KU. So you can get to six without K-State, but I feel pretty good about West Virginia's stances about making a bowl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally right on the fit thing though. I mean, Neil Brown is is a hundred and hundred and zero in the off season. Like he does all the right things, you know. I think West Virginia is a little bit of a unique climate for the, you know. There's no pro teams, you know. It's very community. Everybody in the state is a Mountaineer fan, like, and he sort of bought into that. And you know, I think he is an awesome fit, and everyone wants to see him succeed. So, you know, we're hoping that the climb continues upward, and especially his recruiting's been awesome. So, you know, I think there are green pastures ahead, but you know, you never know. College football is funny like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about, I mean, how do you feel as a West Virginia fan about Dana Holgerson's success at Houston now? Yeah, it's, he has been doing really well this year. I mean, 
it seemed like he was in some really hot water. You know, it, I thought it was so funny the the Derek King saga where, you know, they lost two or three of their early games and then Holgerson wanted King to redshirt and then he did and then he left for Miami. Like you know, that was kind of a crazy thing. You know, I, I don't know. I think the split up with Dano, it was time. Like everybody was ready. I think it was pretty mutual. And I, I think nobody had hard feelings towards Dana. He did say a couple things in some interviews that I think rubbed people a little bit the wrong way, like after he left. And like I said, maybe that's just a West Virginia thing. Like he wouldn't address the school he was at. Like he was, he would always just call it the school I used to be at or something like that in a press <laughs> conference. And people are like, he also would be like, you know, you can't recruit at West Virginia to beat big schools or like they don't have the resources. So it's going to be, you know, if conference realignment stays the way it's looking, maybe, and Houston has to come to Morgantown and he's still there, like that's going to yeah. be a, a sight to see. Like, I think people would love to beat him after he said you can't recruit in West Virginia and get the guys you need. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I think K-State fans can relate to that a little bit. You got a former defensive coordinator named Dana. Dana Demo now having a pretty good year at UTEP, although they got beat up by uh, UT San Antonio last weekend. But, I mean, I don't know about UJT, but I feel like we're far enough removed at this point where it's cool to see him having success, even if there you know, were kind of some hard feelings. Well, and he left before Snyder you know, retired, so I think that was really like, yeah. you know, I, there's definitely no hard feelings for me. Like, he took a, a head coaching gig. It's hard to say, like, you know, yeah. he left to sign dry or something, and he's always been respectful of school. I think he would have loved to have had his name in consideration when Snyder retired, but he hadn't, you know, proven anything at UTEP yet at that point. But I think it's great. I love seeing him have success there, especially after his last foray as head coach didn't go so well. I think he was at Wyoming for a little while. And I mean, it, it just didn't seem to work out that last time, but this time seems to be working out a lot better for him. So I don't mind seeing K-State you know, former K-State guys having success. You know, it, it sucks to me to, to see like like Joe Bob Clements at, at Oklahoma State, you know, doing well with that defense. Is Blake Seiler still at West Virginia? Who was Joel? it? Blake Seiler. I'm not entirely sure. I, I don't really recognize that name, so I'm not sure. Because he came over as a linebackers coach in uh, Brown's first year. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure on that one. Huh. I can look that up, but uh, Joe, I think we're kind of getting towards the end. It looks like, oh no, it looks like Sider left West Virginia to go to Old Dominion to become their defensive coordinator in 2020. Uh, okay. So, so it was only there for a year then in Morgantown. Yeah, apparently. But becoming a D coordinator, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Well, Joe, I think it's it's about that time to um, ask you to make a prediction for us. What do you think? What are we going to see Saturday? Yeah, so I mean, I think the over under and and you know what Vegas is saying is forty seven over under six and a half to K State. So you know that's looking like a about a twenty seven to twenty game. I, I, you know, at first I thought that number was a little low, uh, but you got to think playing in Manhattan. You know, looking at a lot of the stats. I do think that the Kansas State is probably going to have the edge, at least coming in. A lot of the guys like Parker, Stats of War, Bill Conley, all those guys have K-State about nine points. And I do think interesting looking at the macro level, sort of at the schedule, I do think K-State and West Virginia kind of had similar performances. You know, 
Texas Tech is the thorn in our side, so we can't beat them. But, you know, we lost to them by three. K-State beat them by one. Both teams played within a possession of OU and then, you know, handled TCU. I think Kansas State handled them a little easier than we did. Both got pretty, you know, dominated by Oklahoma State. So I think a lot of similar games, you look in kind of similar outcomes. I do think the big thing in my mind is going to be, you know, can the offensive line protect Deggy? Can we like establish a run game? I mean, I think the Kansas State run defense is not the strongest, but is that going to be enough? Also looking at the K-State offense, you know, they score when they get in the red zone. I think they were like fifth nationally in like points per quality possession. So like if they're getting inside the 40, they're coming away with great drives. That's going to be kind of an interesting showdown with the defense who's been really good in that situation. So I think I am going to be the West Virginia optimist. I think we're going to have a great day running the ball and, and hopefully supplement that. But I don't think it's going to be by much. I mean, I'm going to take West Virginia by a field goal, I'd say 30 to 27. Okay. Okay. JT, you want to get a counterpoint in there? Are you ready for your yeah, last 9 a.m. home kickoff of the season? Or 11 a.m.? Sorry, 9 a.m. 11 a.m., yeah. Right. Yeah, I, thank goodness. I I don't like those 11 a.m. kickoffs, especially at home when I have to get up and get to the stadium early. And, oh, you know, it's terrible, right? Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that score just flipped. I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, like, like Joel said, it's really going to depend on can K-State generate pass rush? Will the middle of the defense hold up against West Virginia's rushing attack? If we've bottled up some decent running backs. Of course, got hurt by Brees Hall, but, you know, he's one of the best in the country. We haven't seen Bajon Robinson yet, so don't know about him. But, you know, I feel pretty confident the way K-State is, is running right now. But I also felt that way in 2019 and came into that game against West Virginia and just laid a total stinking egg all over that field. So I don't, I don't know <laughs> if, if they play focused and play like they have been playing, then it should be fine. And case it'll win 30 or 35 to 27, 28, somewhere in there. But if not, it, it'll look a lot like 2019 and somehow Jarrett Deggie will look like, you know, a, a Heisman, semifinalist quarterback <laughs> and Luddy Brown will have 200 yards and it'll just be terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully it won't happen. Well, Joel, we were, I forgot we were, we were talking before the podcast. And I think you said you had a, a fun fact to share making fun of KU or something. <laughs> yeah. I figured you guys would like it since the, is it the sunflower showdown? Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I had that last week. Yeah, so so just a funny thing. So West Virginia didn't win last week, so the, the stat still stands. But two weeks ago, West Virginia picked up their 42nd Big 12 win. So they joined the conference in 2012. You know, Geno Smith was the quarterback. 42 wins in the Big 12 since then. So with that win, they passed Kansas, who has 41 wins in the Big 12. Uh, but Kansas started, uh, Kansas has been in the Big 12 since 1996. So... <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've seen some variations of that right. on Twitter recently. Like, what's the next team? You know, what's the next race to that number? Is it Cincinnati? Is it, is it, yeah, well, uh, well, Houston? Cincinnati is it the 50? <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of Gino, it was kind of cool to see him. Uh, I think in his first game, he stepped in and did pretty well, but then sort of struggled a little bit. And it felt like he, he sort of forgot that Tyler Lockett was on his team, it was a major part of the problem there. Uh, Should have thrown more to Tyler. <laughs> yeah, Gino's 
Gino's had his time in the NFL. You know, he's had he's had some great moments. I think he's still like the last rookie to beat Belichick or something like that. Uh, but <laughs> also, you know, you get stuck with the Jets. It's tough to tough to really make a lot happen there. So, yeah, we were all rooting for Gino. It was exciting to see him play a few games. But I saw Russell Wilson has miraculously healed and he's back at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Joel. I know uh, people can follow you on Twitter at WV Stats Guy. Um, obviously, you got content on the Smoking Musket. Anything else that you want to promote for our listeners today? Yeah, those are the big two. So, yeah, I tweet like Big 12 hoops and football. And then, yeah, Smoking Musket is also a great follow on Twitter for literally are. Yeah. And they're just hilarious. <laughs> like, they're. <laughs> you'll, you'll get a lot of like just the most random topics but definitely worth your follow if you're keeping up with big 12 sports yeah i agree i agree all right well thanks for coming on man we appreciate it yeah thank you guys for having me looking forward to the game this weekend yeah thanks jt yep anytime so yeah,